0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Saints Radio. I am very thankful to be here to share some things from the Word with our Saints family. And uh, I want to thank you for tuning in and joining today. Monica is not able to be with us today. Many of you know she had uh, an additional uh, surgical procedure that hopefully, when we're believing God, will fully restore her ankle. It was just something that needed to be done after the original uh, challenges that were faced with her injury and then surgery with a metal plate and then that being removed so we're believing that every day she's better and better and uh, we'll be back to uh, not only the health she had before but better than before so we continue to pray for her we miss her I want to thank her for standing in the gap last week while I was uh, coming back from uh, Brazil seems like years ago that I went down there, but it <laughs> it was just a week in fact I had to I had to think about it for a minute. Was I gone last week? I, I thought it was two weeks ago, so I, I sounded like Joe Biden there for a while. you know, I was flying back and I, I sat beside Winston Churchill and we talked a little bit and and he left, and Charles de Gaulle came, and we had a long conversation, and then I uh, got off the plane and was picked up by uh, uh, Eddie Rittenbacher, and he he drove me to the hotel, and then from the hotel, uh, the uh, the wonderful Charles Lindbergh came and picked me up, and a whirling dervish stood in front of us. and. And some guy named Corn Pop tried to keep me from going through, but I finally made it back here to the church, and I'm safe. Boy, that's that's just a synopsis of some of the crazy stuff that we deal with here with our current administration. But the point, though, is I'm glad to be back. It was last week. Thank you, Monica, and thank all of you for praying and for welcoming me back home I shared a lot of things about what transpired while I was down in Brazil, but just for a brief moment, I want to uh, update you on some things that um, are transpiring. We do have an agreement with the theater that we will be going to. However, uh, the San Francisco Theater, where we were last time, uh, the, the actual uh, finalization of that has not officially been done. So at the risk of announcing something that should be a sure thing before it's actually a sure thing, I'm not going to announce anything about it today other than to say that we do have an agreement. Felipe will be finalizing the agreement and as soon as that happens and our dear brother lets me know We will be sending out multitudes of information to you. And um, it's going to be a a great time. God is moving powerfully there in that country, as you know. We're very grateful to be uh, able to serve in the part that God has ordained for us to serve in. I was grateful today during Saints Radio that I was able to speak to Luke and Sylvie about not only the uh, the French gathering in May, but also something coming in the early part of October. So, we haven't forgotten about our allies in Western Europe. How could we? How could we? But it is impossible. So, um, anyway, uh, and then, as if we didn't have enough going on, in a month, can you imagine a month from now our seminar here in Dallas begins Actually actually it's uh, it's actually the twelfth where the where the Tuesday meeting happens. and I know today is the twelfth. Remember we've got it's leap year this year. We need to do something prophetic about leap year maybe uh, go around uh, the network and have different pastors and leaders do a quick video of them leaping and then we could just do a montage of that wouldn't that be something I'm not saying we're doing it even though I think it would be fun and funny but with the leap year the 12th is uh, today on a Monday but Next month, Tuesday, the beginning of seminar is on the 12th. So, calendrically, we're one month out. But actually, uh, if you go week to week, tomorrow is the first day. So, got all that cleared up. If you don't ask Annette, she straightens everybody out. So, um, we're looking forward to what God is doing amongst his saints and how we. Our privilege to be able to serve serve our father, and um, I'm looking forward to every part of this so we hope you've made plans we hope you are able to be with us uh, in person. We will be offering live stream but uh it does it's just as wonderful as it is it's just not the same as you being here and us having you here with us. Someone might ask Do we have any international travelers that are coming? I don't know, highlight that, underline it, that anybody from Brazil is coming this time, but there is a score of people. I don't know if it's actually 20 uh, that will be here in September. Of course, Yawali will be here in March. And uh, we have uh, a couple of wonderful folks coming from France. And so we'll, we'll be represented there. If, uh, Brother Faladin will be coming. We're hoping Pastor William Bouquenya will be here, but I don't know that. He's trying to come. And um, who knows? There may be some surprise guests. We'll see. But, with that being said, the the title of this year's gathering is His his Rest. We focused upon one of the primary words that describe the seventh day in the Lord, and that's the basis upon which we are welcoming the saints before the throne of God in March. We are observing, the, in this year, the spirit of truth and sonship, which we believe is uh, the alignment of one of the seven spirits of God, being the, the seventh of the seven spirit demonstrations. If you're just listening for the first time and you're scratching your head and you're thinking, what is he talking about? I'm not going to teach on that today. Just trust me, and you can obtain materials and read about it from here. Um, but the point is that we who are walking together as saints are honoring and welcoming that dimension of the Spirit of the Lord this year. So that brings us to what I talked about on Sunday morning, and uh, what we want to speak a bit about today, and perhaps clarify any misconceptions or any points of confusion pertaining to what we're inviting you to do. It's funny because last week I talked about, in the middle of the night, hearing very loud knocking. And um, I knew that it was spiritual. It awakened me. And um, I looked at the scriptures. I detailed what I could as far as interpretation from just the simple thing that I told you I didn't see a hand knocking oh uh, I didn't see <laughs> almost quoted young Frankenstein but for the delicate ears of some of you I won't say it um, I didn't see a uh, a knocker on the door <laughs> I uh, I I didn't see anything. I just heard it, and it was very loud, and it woke me up. So I noted that. And then on the weekend, I couldn't get away from the memory of that, and I knew that God wanted me to share about it on yesterday, Sunday. Since that time, I have heard from a couple of saints who I trust that they had similar experiences, um, and, and maybe some others of you have experienced that in the past couple days. Now, I've had this happen before, um, several years ago, and honestly, I didn't. I did not. How do I say this? I, I did not recognize the fullness of what it was. I interpreted it as being an invitation from the Lord for me to welcome Him, which I did. This time is different, uh, and we we talked from the book of Revelation uh, regarding the seventh church that Jesus spoke to the angel concerning. And uh, that was the church at Laodicea. Um, I I think that so many pieces of this come together. And the, the end result is that God is inviting us into a new place in him. And it's very important that we honor the invitation of the Lord through obedience and through waiting on Him. So, you read this seventh church, Laodicea, which means basically loosely a church of the people. They were a very wealthy church. They had known blessing. And they had become complacent in that blessing. The... uh, the thing about them was that the Lord appealed to them and it's, it makes sense that people would come into the seventh framework of the seven spirits and have a decision to make. You know, you can look back and reflect on the blessings of the Lord, which we should, and give him thanks, but that perspective can yield a couple of results. One, you could be, as the man who built bigger barns. You could say, "My goodness, isn't things, aren't things great? We just, uh, we've had all these successes, but I, but I think it's time for me to just take a step back and not not engage in the way I was, engaging in the past." And then you could look at that position of blessing and you could say, Praise be to God. I give you thanks. I am going to apply what I've learned about the seventh day and I'm going to move forward with you into the new. Both of those things are possible. And that brings to mind... The reference in Revelation 3 to when Jesus said, I would that you were either cold or hot, but if you're lukewarm, which you are, I spew you out. What in the world does that mean? Now, traditionally, we, I say we, the church, has suggested that Jesus was okay with people being dead in Christ or people being zealous. One or the other. But if you're kind of vacillating in the middle, it's nauseating to him. Well, there's a problem with that assessment, which is a common assessment. And that is that you would even entertain the idea that Jesus would be perfectly okay with individuals being cold toward him. If he says, I would, that you were either this or that. Now, some would say, well, it would be better for somebody who was, who had not accepted Christ yet, as opposed to somebody who had accepted Christ. I wish that you were one or the other, but this lukewarmness I don't like. Well, I can see how that might be uh, a, a valid observation, but then again, you're saying I, I would that some part, person doesn't know me, which is problematic, wouldn't you say? So, to me, the the best way to look at this is the context. This is the seventh church. The seventh day is one of reflection, communing with God, pressing forward into the new. So within that viewpoint, you have to think that Jesus is addressing this church strategically selected in this seventh day. And let's look at it from that framework. Cold, if you break down the etymology and go back to its root, would mean a really... um, strong but yet not challenged breathing to where you are breathing confidently without inhibition that that's the that's the root of this and the opposite would be somebody that is on fire doing active work to me, these are the two spectrum ends of the seven spirits. You know, even athletes have a cool-down period where supposedly, you know, they're drinking their, their special elixir to recover. You know, they're doing whatever they can, stretching, just cooling down, calming down, treating their mus- muscles uh, and their framework in a way that would be beneficial in respect to what they've just done. So to me, I would think that Jesus was showing both ends of the spectrum of the seven spirits. And he said, I wish you were either at this point with me right now or you were engaged in fire. But being in the middle, camping out on behalf of things you've done in the past and not looking forward, uh, that which was without without faith is sin, Uh, you know, uh, God does not take pleasure unless you're moving in faith. Those kinds of verses, um, I think Jesus was saying, "Look, Laodicea, you're you're immobilized. You're you're dwelling on your blessings. You're boasting about your garments. You're boasting about your victories. You're boasting about the the points of favor and provision that you've known and still have. And that." That is not acceptable. It's not something that the seven spirits of God can tolerate. It's spew-worthy, to borrow a King James word. So Jesus prefers that you're on one end of the spectrum over the other. And then you culminate. Now, I would dare say, too, as I've suggested in the past, that the wheel within the wheel are the two dynamics of the seven spirits. One is progressive going forward. The other is restorative. I would also suggest that one way is partnering with God. The other way is partnering with his spirit so that he can develop you. I really prefer that. Because as as I go forward into the new, into the judgment and burning framework, I also want to embrace his glory and the depth of who he is again so that I maintain my balance. Because if you just go off willy-nilly into Mishpat and Ba'ar, and you're not really galvanizing yourself into the depth of the heart of God, you might get off track. I'm not saying you will, but you might get off track. And some people do that. They go off and they're enjoying uh, the, the framework of the visitation of the Spirit, and you you can be in the midst of the visitation of the Spirit, and you can lose that tenderness for God, so you've got to be hungry and full and that's what I believe Jesus is saying. Then another um, miscasting doctrinally that happens in that passage again in Revelation three, the book of La- the, the writing to Laodicea, whereas Jesus counsels them to buy of him something now to buy of him something is not really an adequate translation. Because no matter what we do, no matter how much we have, we are not buying anything from Jesus. He's given it to us free. Freely, you've received. There's no buying in it. And um, we, we couldn't afford in our works what Jesus and his presence and the gifts of the Spirit would cost us. It could only be given freely. So what does that mean? Well, that term is a derivation of agora, which means a marketplace. And I see two things in it. I see that Jesus is counseling us to be outfitted. By what he knows we need, in that agora, in that marketplace of the spirit, but secondly, (laughs) excuse me, what we, what we would receive from him, would equip us to go out into the marketplace. It's what, that word. Remember, uh, Jesus warned us to go out into that place, and to represent the kingdom so what are the three things the first is gold tried in the fire if we're going to go into the new in god in his ways we've got to make certain that our faith which is the gold more precious than gold tried in the fire purified refined that it's right on that we're not vacillating well you know i just don't know what the lord wants Our place for the next dimension of moving with God's spirit has to be affirmed and solidified at the right hand of the throne, which is the essence of faith. So that's the first thing we need to commit to God's ways and to commit to intercession, to commit to being at the right hand, to commit to walking on behalf of the will of the Father second is these uh, white raiment, which is the linen of the saints, which is, um, I believe, the sha'al of commune with God. It's what God wants. It's righteousness. It's it's showing that you're there in vulnerability, uh, totally addressing and empowered to address God's righteous vision for you. So you have faith, and then you move forward on behalf of that. And then the third is that your eyes would be anointed with ISAF. We're talking about the seven spirits of God. We're talking about the seven eyes of God. And so if we're going to partner with God, yes, we need illumination. Yes, we need revelation. But what we need more than anything is for our eyes to be attuned to what the Spirit of God is doing, and to come into alignment with that. So you need an anointing for that. That's what Jesus offers. So then he says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him. Now that's that's a wonderful thing. I talked yesterday about that that sup was the evening meal. And it is that. And I also talked about how important it is for us to remember the evening oblation, the times in the evening where God appeared. Um and and the evening represents going into the new day, preparation for going into the new day while you're reflecting upon what has happened in the day that you're in, that you've just concluded, and it fits perfectly with the idea of the seventh dimension of God's seven spirits, truth and sonship, doesn't it? Of course it does. And um, this knocking is really God appealing to us. Will you hear... And will you say yes? Will you open? God's not going to barge in on anybody. He's not going to force you to do it. He's going to do a home invasion. He's not going to kidnap you. You're going to serve me whether you want to or not. That's that's not going to happen. You You have to hear it and know that it's an invitation from God. Whether you hear it audibly or not is inconsequential. If you recognize the principle, you know at this point in your development and your partnership with God that you've got to say, yes, Lord, I open to you, and I want to hear your voice. And I want to commit myself to be uh, trained, to be imparted to, to be corrected, because if you're not receiving chastening... You're not receiving the agape of the Lord and you're not really functioning as sons. This passage in the book of Hebrews tells us that, as well as many other peripheral passages in Scripture. So we need that measure of commune and adjustment and uh, being uh, instructed. Uh, We need to be equipped. And the Lord will do that Jesus will do that with us. Now, let me say one other thing. In the past, at times, I have equated this sop with the sop. I'm not backing away from that. In fact, etymologically, and the way words develop, people hear them being said, they understand what they mean, and then they apply it somewhere else. France doesn't do that as much because they guard over their language, but we in England, we in England and the United States, we do it all the time. New words emerge, new phrases, new expressions, and usually they're based upon some other thing that is described by that term, and then we apply it afresh. So in English, we would say sup, the sop was something that you sop up, but it really describes this kind of an atmosphere, this kind of fellowship where you're an intimate commune with somebody. In fact, the Lord's Supper took place in the evening at that time. So Judas put his hand in the sop. They were all communing, and they're talking about things, you know, you know who... What's going to happen? Not so, Lord. Who's the greatest? Uh, Who's going to betray you? What did he say? Watch the bowl. See whose hand goes in there. And the Lord said all of those glorious things to them. All those writings that are in red in many of your Bibles during this time. So it was a time of instruction. It was a time of preparation or should have been. And it was a time where God could correct, where God could chasten, where God could address the iniquities that perhaps had gained control of your life. It was that time. And so um, I think that this is an indication of what the SOP would be. It's also an indication of what Further extrapolation, supplication is, but some of you purists won't agree with the etymology because you just have to be smacked over the head with a wet tuna to see anything. I don't have any wet tunas. So let's just go forward and say that this was the evening meal. How about that? So, the Lord says he'll do this. Let's just talk you and me, saints one and all. We love Jesus. One of the challenges that the church has endured is their unwillingness to accept the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of the Trinity, and dare I say, the concept of the seven spirits. Some people say, oh, I love Jesus. Or, oh, I just love the Holy Ghost. I love the Holy Spirit. And then when we started talking about the Father, that upset the apple cart of a lot of people. I remember a district official being here i would like to hear a little bit more about Jesus. Well, there's a banner up there at the front of the church. You're looking at it right now that says Jesus. There's lettering along the bottom that says every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We love Jesus. We're born again through him. But hey, let's just face it. He came to present us to the Father. Man, when the Pentecostal movement first began in the United States, the late 1800s, and then rolling into when it really exploded where people were getting the left foot of fellowship out of all kinds of respectable denominations, and they all came together. There were two weird things that happened. There was somebody who had a revelation that we should baptize in Jesus' name only. And so they split off, even though they were speaking in tongues. They didn't want to acknowledge the Father and the Spirit. They thought that it was a a heinous injustice and a disrespect of our Lord Jesus if you didn't only focus on him. Down in Brazil, some of the wonderful people that we're dealing with are infatuated by the moving of the Spirit, as well they should be. But it's my job and our job to embrace that but to also lead them into their place at the right hand of the throne where the Father is and where that precious Jesus is continually standing with us and praying to the Father that we would fulfill His will. you like them apples. So, I admit readily that I have the highest regard for the sacrifice of Christ. But he gave that sacrifice so that we would be like him, that he would be our elder brother, that we would learn how to grow into being sons of the Father, that we would be Christlike. that we would become heirs and joint heirs with Christ. And we will ride, we will ride on those white horses with him when the culminative battles of the end times come. But Jesus, who is always with us, will never leave us or forsake us, who's standing with us in arterio, is more interested in you becoming what the Father wants you to be and partnering with the will of the Father. He, after all, is God So God gave the triune dimension of who he is for the purposes of us understanding who he is and so that we could come and become what he wants us to be as the bride, as partners with him. That's always been God's intention. But if you just know God as Jesus or you just know God as the Spirit, How in the world are you going to develop as sons, unless you're presented to the Father? Do you ever think about that? But the enemy wants people to be challenged. Some parts of the church, well, bless God, they believe in Jesus. This Holy Spirit thing, we have a hard time rejecting what the book of Acts says. But it's not for us today. That passed away with the last apostle. You ever heard that before? And there's always some fringe group that thinks that if... You know, I was watching uh, part of the Super Bowl last night. And those... uh, He gets us commercials were on. And one of them was showing people, washing the feet of people all over the world in many different conditions. And and I appreciate that. But the only record we have of Jesus washing anybody's feet were the disciples on that last night when they were going to be stepping onto holy ground that had never been presented for mankind before. But see, that becomes a real unique thing that uh, we need to be doing what Jesus did, but they take it to the nth degree. I don't want to go too far with this. I bless them. I pray that somebody turned to Jesus as a result of that. But let's make sure that what we say is scriptural. And let's make sure that whatever context we put what Jesus did into stays in the context. And you know, I I just I just see how there's still a um, a very perplexing confusion in the church about the whole issue of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then you have the Catholics that toss Mary into the mix, and very few, if anybody, talks about the seven spirits. And if they do, and I've seen some of the books, they always go out of that one chapter in Isaiah, which clearly is talking about the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Every one of those seven, and it's a good study, speaks about the spirit of wisdom and revelation. There's no judgment and burning in it. There's no glory of God in it. There's no truth. There's no prophecy. There's, there's none of that. It's all about counsel and revelation. And so they write books, these are the seven spirits. But they're focusing on one, at least they're acknowledging that there is such a thing as the seven spirits. When we first talked about that and talked about visions and dreams, the brethren that I used to be a part of said that we'd gone over into the new age. We were a cult, which if they really understood what a cult was, that's a word for somebody that's called out And uh, it's a word that's used in a lot of places to describe the church. Now, I know that there are false cults. I know that it means people are drawn off into some errant belief. But we certainly weren't doing that. I remember those discussions that I had uh, where I was trying to defend our concepts of speaking in diversities of tongues laying on our face before God and giving prophecy to people. I remember going through the scriptures with these brethren and it was so off the mark of what they were willing to accept that even though I was lathering them down with scriptures, that all led to, I felt like an attorney who had an open and shut case and these guys just wouldn't receive it. Why? Because they're locked into some old mentality that really gets them into the born-again experience, but then limits them from moving in God. So the point that we have here, coming back to Laodicea, is that Jesus says that he will come in And will sit with us and will provide these things, if we're willing, uh, to be the gold, the garments, and the eye uh, treatments. Um, He will also chasten. He will also instruct. All these things Jesus says he's going to do. So I can't dismiss that. I love the Spirit of God. I love His ways. I love that the Spirit of truth guides me. I love that uh, if you're a son, you're going to be directed by the Spirit. I love that. I love the power of the Spirit. I love the gifts of the Spirit. I love having my Spirit commune with God's Spirit. I love that my Spirit speaks in unknown tongues, diversities of tongues, to God, His mysteries. I love all of that more than I can express. But this business of Jesus coming and offering Himself and me opening the door and communing with Him That's something very special. Now, I'm grateful for the times that we've been able to perceive that Jesus is with us. I'll never forget when that It Is Jesus song prophetically came forth out of my mouth, basically by looking at how Jesus was presenting himself behind the piano standing on the platform behind the piano bench. And I was just looking at him and singing about him. That was wonderful. I remember seeing him stand and present himself uh, as tall as our sanctuary, right where the lighthouse is, right where the candlestick is. And there he was, there he is. Other times where we've seen him what a treasure. What blessed gifts these are from God. You've undoubtedly had encounters with the Lord. I've I, I've had encounters with the angelic. I've had encounters with the Father, which is, I've talked about this, which really, when you get close to the personification of the Father, God the Father. You are on the verge of leaving this life. The breath just gets sucked right out of you because of the overwhelming magnificence of who he is. But Jesus, saying in the seventh day to this seventh church, If you open the door, I'm going to come in in the evening hour. And I'm going to fellowship with you. I believe that this is a rhema for us as we are in this seventh year. As we are approaching this seminar that we felt led of the Spirit to call His Rest. I believe that this is something we need to present ourselves in prophetic obedience before the Lord. I think that every evening, I'd like to invite the saints to welcome the Lord. You may want to have communion. Be led by him. What do you want? What do you want, Lord? You might fast. You might just do some kind of prophetic point of obedience. I said to our French brothers and sisters that tonight I'm going to go before the Lord as nighttime is coming upon us, as dusk is upon us, and I'm going to have water and some bread or a cracker. And I'm going to be... I felt He wanted me to do this. Water. Jesus is baptized. This is my beloved Son. The dove descends. Water. The wedding in Cana. Water into wine. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers. Living water. The saints are be function in that river from the flows from the temple, from the throne, basically. Um, I I just felt like I'm supposed to do that tonight. I was reminded by my family that Valentine's Day is Wednesday. Some of you may have romantic plans. I'm not saying you have to fast. I'm saying that every night you offer yourself to the Lord. And invite him to do what he wants in your life. This is Jesus. And so what's his perspective? He wants you to serve with him. He wants you to serve the Father. He wants you to be an heir and a joint heir. He wants to be with you in your point of assignment. And so many other things. He wants you to see those eyes of fire. This is a wonderful thing. And again, I mentioned the evening oblation. I mentioned that earlier for those of you who weren't paying attention. But that time every day lends us to be reflective of what's come in the day and look forward to the rest and the refreshing and the equipping to entertain a new day. Every day we have that. But um, this is a different power. And then Jesus says that you might sit with me in my throne where I also have been set at the throne of my father. I mentioned this yesterday again, I'm just reiterating this. That term that is used to describe the sitting or the setting, both same uh, was used in uh, in chemists back then or alchemists and they would mix together something and then when it settled they had their potion or their elixir or whatever and that was the setting it was the result of something else it had very little to do with sitting in a chair in fact it means something has come down and settled so something that God is releasing to us, he's equipping us with, which also speaks about the seven spirits. All the things that we've experienced to this point now is settling into this place of thanks and glorying to God so that we go forth in power in the new. I talked about how the day of Pentecost, where tongues of fire sat, a derivation of this term. Is there. What prepared them for this? All the things that Jesus had done the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, his teaching, the disciples, the commandment to go and offer supplication and prayer in the upper room. And then the day, God's day, the, the gift of the Father uh, comes on Pentecost or first fruits. And there's this a rushing, mighty wind and these flames of fire that sat upon them. God was imparting, as a result of all of those factors, this birth of the ecclesia and the capacity to commune with God from your born-again spirit in tongues to the Father. How has the church strayed away from that? One of the most prolific assignments of the enemy to be able to have accomplished that so effectively also it describes mary who loved the lord sitting at his feet same root word she had done everything she could to follow him to serve him to love him but then she was there hanging on every word that he said and everything that he wanted to do This is the setting. This is what God wants us to have. That the culmination of what we've experienced in Him and serving Him, the culmination of how God is developing us, the culmination of the the, the mandate and the directives for what's coming, and then being with Him. It all comes together so that we can be established and stationed at the right hand, on behalf of the throne of God. Isn't that great? So, what do you expect with this? I'll just be really transparent with you. I don't know what to expect. And I'm just going to tell some of you who are challenged by these kinds of things... That if I don't hear another knocking or if I don't see the Shroud of Turin face of Jesus, if if I don't have five angels come in and sing and dance, if I don't have a spaceship land and uh, angelic beings wave to me, if I don't have any of those things, I still know that the Word of God is true and that this is something for us and I know that whatever I do before the Lord is going to accomplish something. And that's the main thing. Isn't it? I've seen people here over the past 20... How many years? Ooh, man, 28 years almost. Come in here, get knocked down in the Spirit, lay out for hours, see angels, or at least they say they do. And those people are gone so it doesn't matter what you experience or don't experience what matters most is you obey and you believe seems i read somewhere blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe i wonder who said that oh wait it was jesus and I know it just disturbs so many people. I don't have any manifestations. And I think having manifestations is great. But it doesn't mean you're going to straighten and fly right because you have them. I remember early on, you know, one of the things that I, I discouraged was we had these times during our seminars where we had angelic encounters widespread and I finally had to say when I saw when I saw some demonic beings doing things and people who were who were I don't want to say whether they were vulnerable I can't, I'm not judging them but they were just eating up what the enemy was saying to them and I had to stop that then there were those who said oh would you come oh I better not say it because some of you will know what I'm talking about Don't seek manifestations, even though they are everywhere. Seek God and know that he's going to move. Remember, God was not in the wind. God was not in the fire. God was not in the breaking of rocks. But where was he? In the still, small voice. And that voice is talking to me right now. It's talking to you. I firmly believe that if we are willing to do this, and don't make it legalism, and don't say that I'm saying anything other than what I'm actually saying. If you want to fast, fast. I think I used that word yesterday. But I firmly said, in conjunction with that, do whatever the Lord says to you to do. Whatever he says to you, do it, Mary's famous words at the Feast of Cana. I expect to do some kind of commune, if I can, unless I'm obligated to be somewhere during this time when when night is falling. And I fully expect for me to set apart at least some time where I just shut myself away and give thanks to Jesus and maybe even quote this passage. I firmly expect for my dreams and night visions to be accentuated, but I don't expect them every night. And if I don't have one, I'm not going to be distraught thinking God doesn't love me and why is it happening to other people and not me? I'm not going to do that. Sometimes people would say, Pastor, lay hands on me that I will see an angel. Lay hands on my forehead so that I will have this gift or that gift. I'm not the giver of gifts. My hands activate when God tells me to. Remember the touch, the haptomai? So some of you uh, need to just accept what God is giving you and what he's giving you right now for all of us, is the opportunity to meet with Him, and I'm saying each night up until our seminar, that we will be prophetically serving the Lord and believing that Jesus, in His own inimitable snot style, will do in us what He wants. That each night, we're going to be prophetically offering This measure of the seven spirits, this measure of the seventh day, this measure of the beginning of the season of the Lord. And by the time we all come together for seminar in March, God will already have been working. And I'm expecting dynamic points of fellowship and commune with Jesus while we're here. I'm looking forward to it. So, that's uh, Saints Radio. Not much chit, Very little chat. Can't do it alone. Even though I guess I could try. But, um, let's prayerfully consider offering ourselves each day to the Lord in this way. Again, you can... Do whatever God says to do. But the main thing is, thank him at the beginning of sundown every day and welcome him in whatever way he wants to come into fellowship with you. Yeah, you know, I mentioned this yesterday. The only time I really ever heard this passage, behold, I stand at the door and knock, was at altar calls. And it was preached to the same people over and over again. Sometimes people got born again five or six times. I saw it as a child. Always marveled at it. But friend, do you hear the Lord knocking right now in your life? And He's saying, would you open the door and let me come into your heart that you might be born again In some cases, again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Now, I believe in the salvation experience, and I do believe that people need to accept the Lord, to welcome Him into their life, and to become born again through His precious blood. I believe that. I'm thankful for it. But I would say... Was Jesus speaking to churches? Yes, he was. Was he speaking to people who had angelic assignment in their terio? Yes, he was. Was he speaking to people who had been equipped with their own connection to the candlestick of God? Yes, he was. Were the Laodiceans backslidden, only God could say that. I think we run a slippery slope if we start saying, if if you don't go forward in the Lord and you don't grow, you're not born again. Only God can judge that. Only God can judge that. And I know the passages about the wedding garment not being uh, on the guy and he's tossed in the outer darkness. I know all those I'm not going to debate soteriology with you, which is the doctrine of salvation. But the point is, is that Jesus was speaking to churches. And this was not necessarily a reference to the born-again experience. This was what our church should have heard when I was growing up. There's more to this business of being children of God than just sitting on the back pew, paying your tithe, passing out a few tracts, and waiting for the trumpet to blow while all those miserable sinners were being branded by 666. God has always wanted us to know him, to be at his throne, to pray, to partner with him. And so this passage, the context of it, speaks about partnering with the seven spirits and going forward into the new and Jesus equipping us to, to work with him. I personally think that we're being invited into a next privileged to be invited into the next dimension of being heirs and joint heirs with Christ. That's a sobering, humbling thing. But that's just me. Don't write it on a tablet and stick it out under a tree. Whatever he wants to do, let him do it. Make place for him. And consider submitting yourself in this very simple way each night. Thanks for joining me today. Again, we pray that Monica will Just enjoy amazing recovery, and she'll be back to her normal and pleasant self very, very soon. And uh, hopefully next week she'll join me so you don't have to tolerate me alone. See you on uh, Wednesday Night Live. Till then, God bless and goodbye.